I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Psalms 108, 109, and 110. A familiar-looking psalm is Psalm 108. Subtitle to this one says, A Song or a Psalm of David. Verse 1. O God, my heart is fixed, I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. Awake psaltery and harp, I myself will wake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth into the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. That thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and answer me. God hath spoken in his boldness, I will rejoice, I will divide Shechem, and mete out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim also is the strength of mine head, Judah is my lawgiver, Moab is my washpot, over Edom will I cast out my shoe, over Philistia will I triumph. Who will bring me into the strong city, who will lead me into Edom? Wilt not thou, O God, who hast cast us off, and wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our host? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Now, haven't we seen this psalm by David somewhere before? Well, yeah, kind of. This whole psalm is a compilation of parts of two other psalms. Verses 1 through 5 are found in Psalm 57, verses 7 through 11. And verses 6 through 13 are found in Psalm 60, verses 5 through 12. David is looking for a little supernatural help here against his enemies. Now, in the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, I've uh, provided a comparison, a chart of Psalm 108 and how it compares with Psalm 57 and Psalm 60. The names and places referenced in this psalm allude to David's successful battles in 2 Samuel chapter 8 verses 1 through 14, also 2 Samuel chapter 10 verse 16, and 1 Chronicles chapter 18 verses 1 through 13. David makes the point that God is sovereign and as such controls the destinies of Shechem, Succoth, Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, and Judah. Those are geographical references that are representative of all the regions that made up the nation of Israel during that era. Likewise, God is also sovereign over the nations, specifically referencing Moab, Edom, and Philistia. In Psalm 109, David gets hard on his enemies in this one. The subtitle to this one says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Verse 1. Hold not thy peace, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compassed me about also with words of hatred, and fought against me without a cause. For my love they are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. 
and they have rewarded me evil for good and hated for my love. Set thou a wicked man over him, and let Satan stand at his right hand. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned, and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few, and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. Let the children be continually vagabonds, and beg. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. Let the extortioner catch all that he hath, and let the stranger spoil his labor. Let there be none to extend mercy unto him, neither let there be any to favor his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off, and in the generation following let their name be blotted out. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered with the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. Because that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy men, that he might even slay the broken in heart. As he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water, and like oil into his bones. Let it be unto him as the garment which covereth him, and for a girdle wherewith he is girded continually. Let this be the reward of mine adversaries from the Lord, and of them that speak evil against my soul. But do thou for me, O God, the Lord, for thy name's sake, because thy mercy is good, deliver thou me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am gone like the shadow when it declineth. I am tossed up and down as the locust. My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh faileth of fatness. I became also a reproach unto them. When they looked upon me, they shaked their heads. Help me, O Lord my God, O save me according to thy mercy, that they may know that this is thy hand, and thou, Lord, hast done it. Let them curse, but bless thou when they arise. Let them be ashamed, but let thy servant rejoice. Let mine adversaries be clothed with shame, and let them cover themselves with their own confusion as with a mantle. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth, yea, I will praise him among the multitude, for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul." Let me ask you a question. Did you ever look for a chapter you could read when your enemies were hard on your heels? Well, David is, describes his enemies' pursuit against him in verses 1 through 5, and then he asks God for deliverance from them. Actually, he asks for more than deliverance. He actually prays the wrath of God down upon them in verses 6 through 20. David then asks for help from the Lord for himself in verses 21 to 31. You'll notice in this psalm that David expresses the importance of his enemies seeing the power of God in his own deliverance, particularly in verses 26 and 27 when he says, Help me, O Lord my God, O save me according to thy mercy, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. Incidentally, you'll notice the word adversaries in verses 4, 20, and 29. That's the plural form of the Hebrew word Satan. As a matter of fact, this Hebrew word's primary meaning is adversary, 
But when the Hebrew word is preceded by a definite article, it is understood to be the adversary, as in Satan or the devil himself. Therefore, the King James Version translation of the singular form in verse 6 as Satan is really a reference to an unspecified adversary, since the definite article there in the Hebrew is not present before the noun in that occurrence. Now, here's the psalm Peter quotes from in Acts chapter 1, verse 20. And it's regarding Judas. He quotes verse 8. Since this psalm doesn't seem to have a prophetic characteristic about it, Peter may have taken some liberty in its use in the upper room. Then we have a fascinating messianic psalm in Psalm 110. The subtitle to this one says, A Psalm of David. Verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Now this psalm is a New Testament cornerstone regarding the supernatural identity of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, it all gets really interesting in Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 to 46. Let me read this to you. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou in my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Now take special note of Psalm 110 verse 4. Here's what it says. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The priesthood, this priesthood, dates back to Genesis chapter 14 uh, in Scripture. And I've written an article. It's on the right of the screen here on the written notes of BibleTrack.org, or you can find it under the topic section of BibleTrack.org, entitled Just Melchizedek. A lot of interesting facts about Melchizedek are found in Scripture, and it's uh, important that we understand exactly who Melchizedek is. Peter then makes reference to this psalm in Psalm 110, verse 1, when he preaches on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Here's what he said. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou in my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Since his listeners all regarded Psalm 110 to be a messianic prophecy, here Peter clearly identifies Jesus Christ as that Messiah. Incidentally, the word Christ in English is from the Greek word Christos, which is the Greek word for the Hebrew Mashiach, which means Messiah. So Christ means Messiah. But we're not done with the usage in the New Testament. 
Paul then uses this psalm to validate the position of Christ at the right hand of God in the following passages. Romans 8.34, 1 Corinthians 15.25, Ephesians 1.20, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Now, let me just say, you really should read the article on Melchizedek because that article tells us that the priesthood of Melchizedek is an eternal priesthood. So the Aaronic priesthood was temporary and earthly. The Melchizedek priesthood was eternal and heavenly. Paul in Hebrews continues this as a fact, validated by Psalm 110, where he uses it in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 13. He then further adds the concept of the high priesthood of Christ in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, and again in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 17 and 21, and again in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, and Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, and once again in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. All of these quotes were attributed to these verses in Psalm 110. So to express it simply, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah, fulfills Psalm 110. Now, since the podcast is kind of short today and we've got some time, I think I'll go ahead and read the article in Melchizedek to you. In Genesis chapter 14, we find our first mention of Melchizedek. When Abraham returned from war, Melchizedek came out to meet him, you recall. Here's what it says of Melchizedek in that passage in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave him tithes of all. So who was this man? He's not mentioned again in the Old Testament except for David's reference to him in Psalm 110, verse 4, where he says, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now that's significant inasmuch as Psalm 110 is so often quoted in the New Testament as a messianic psalm. The writer of Hebrews, who I think is Paul, builds upon these two Old Testament references and develops the doctrine of the priesthood of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek. Paul begins his explanation in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, when he quotes Psalm 110, verse 4, in reference to Jesus Christ. Then chapters 5 through 7 of Hebrews develop this priesthood. Three verses, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, are particularly significant. Here's what they say. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. So was Melchizedek a mere man? Well, from the description given here, I'm quite certain that Paul intends for his readers to see in Melchizedek the very attributes of God himself. Therefore, I'm convinced that Melchizedek was an incarnation of the Godhead appearing before Abraham. Melchizedek becomes the cornerstone of the high priesthood of Jesus Christ 
and thus the foundation for our own priesthood as believers. To put it into perspective, Melchizedek is the permanent supernatural high priest for the real tabernacle in heaven. Aaron and his descendants were the temporal priests for the pattern of the real tabernacle, the one on earth. The priesthood of Melchizedek, therefore, supersedes the priesthood of Aaron. In other words, the priesthood of Melchizedek never ceased. The priesthood of Aaron was earthly, not heavenly, and existed as a reflection on earth of the true heavenly priesthood for the period of time from the wilderness to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.